All right then, everybody in podcast land out there, welcome to another Tank Nation podcast. So this is where we bring the outside in. And uh, our brother Sean Oliver, ex-resident here on the Polanski Unit. Hope you enjoy this. Sean, take it away. Hello there. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. How are you doing today, Mr. Sean? I'm doing good. So we're going to get right down to it. Give us, if you don't mind, because I know you got a lot to share how did you and I meet? Because that's the process of reintegration. Okay. Um, I um, visit the Texas workforce um, in Austin, Texas. Quite often I was looking for jobs and uh, I was at the front desk and one of the representatives at the front desk gave me your phone number. And okay. she told me to call you that uh, you will help me get a job. So I reached out to you uh, the same day and you, um, uh, Gave me the opportunity to join the workshop. So the next day I went to the workshop. I was able to get plenty of resources for a job. They also gave me a free laptop. Okay. How long have you been out? Uh, I got out December the 7th of 2023. Okay. Do me a favor. Walk us through some of the things you went through when you came out that day and then we're going to go backwards. Cause I know you have some advice for the young ladies. So you're walking out December 23rd. Tell us your experience. My experience, uh, they took me to the crying unit and, uh, uh, the day, uh, being released, it felt different cause I was leaving Lockhart and, uh, crying was kind of different. It was dark. The, uh, Area that we they had us in, it just had a different vibe and everything was different. Um, the next day, um, we had to wait for two hours to get uh, to the um, unit that was actually transferred us, which was Riverside on the other side of Crane. Um, the guy that uh, released us, I don't remember his name, but uh, he gave us a lot of resources. He was very helpful. Uh, he stayed talking to us for, for a good two hours about uh, coming back into reentry. Um, everybody actually had families there to pick him up. He said that's the first time he's seen that. So uh, it was none of us being released. We all had somebody to pick us up besides one female. She was the only one catching the bus. Um. They gave us clothes uh, that we could fit because uh, a lot of parents that bought clothes, uh, husbands or wife or dads or uncles or whoever was picking us up, we couldn't fit the clothes that they bought. So uh, TDC did provide us with clothes uh, leaving uh, prison. They also provide us with a $50 check. Okay. What about identification? What, what, had, what had you been provided before that? Um, a lot of our uh, identification wasn't ready because um, then the paperwork wasn't wasn't ready. Like I didn't get my ID or nothing. Uh, I had my stuff already at home. So uh, when they when I had got released, I suppose I got released on the six. Uh, my release papers was messed up. Uh, me and my husband uh, had to call uh, Huntsville. We got in contact with Huntsville. Uh, Huntsville actually uh, sent them an emergency uh, report. And uh, 
Miss uh, Tucker that was at the uh, Coleman unit, I was very familiar with her. She was a lady that worked in classification. She also sent an emergency uh, release form for me. So the day, that morning, I actually wasn't supposed to be on the bus. I actually had a separate ticket from everybody else. Um, but because she sent the emergency uh, release form, they put me on the bus that morning. So I didn't have nothing ready. I didn't have my medication or nothing when I left. Okay. So because somebody may be watching this, is there anything that you want to share from your perspective during the process that you just described that would help someone or just you want to express like, say, you're going to go through this. So let me get you ready. Okay, well, I was at the Coleman unit and uh, a lot of people know me. A lot of people know me. I went to five different units. Uh, they uh, already was learning for what I what I was doing, especially I was in the faith-based dorm, especially the people that were seeing me in the faith-based dorm. I stayed on the phone with my family. I also had friends calling Huntsville. Um, I kept going to re-entry. Re-entry kept saying, Rebecca, well, it's nothing we could do. And everybody that I went to talk to on the unit, uh, the supervisors, a lot of them, they kept saying the only person that could help me was re-entry. So I would fall out at least three, four times a day every time I got the opportunity to go to re-entry. Um, re-entry finally decided to do something because my paperwork, okay, so when you get out of prison, your account's supposed to be closed in commissary and everything. The second day, my account still was not closed. So I already know that I was not in the system to be released. So I go to re-entry, stay at re-entry. Um, make sure you have your family contact Huntsville. Um, the guards and the officers was correct. Re-entry was the only one that could have helped me. Uh, also, visit classification. Because classification was the one that sent the emergency uh, email to Huntsville. And that I had a separate ticket the next morning to be on that bus even though they didn't have me in the system to be on that bus. Okay. So right now, before I go any further, what are some of the things that you want to share? Cause you've been excited about this interview and I can pick back uh -huh. up where I'm going, but I want to make sure that you share what you want to share. Uh, I've been uh, to a, a lot of different units. Uh, I just want uh, everybody to know, you know, because I know a lot of people do know me, that uh, prison life is totally different than the outside, you know. Uh, it's a lot of things in prison that we have access to the same way we have access to on the outside. Um, staying focused in prison is really the best way to uh, having a better way of having a healthy thinking. Um, a lot of times when you're in prison, you know, a lot of people don't have family and a lot of people don't have support. Uh, so we have to depend on each other in prison for that family, that support. And by being on each other's side in prison, which a lot of times we does, um, it makes a big difference because 
that's the only family that you have. Um, my experience with dealing with a lot of females, they all just wanted love. They wanted somebody to be there, somebody to talk to, even some of the hardcore with, especially uh, when I was at Hobby. You know, uh, by me living the Christian life, it actually, uh, she actually held me accountable for a lot of my mistakes when I was slipping. Uh, and I noticed that my impact made a big difference on the way she want, the way she started living day by day. So I just encourage everyone to just take time out and just not look at prison as you all out. Everybody is their own person. Come together. Um, I know um, I have a lot of um, male uh, friends that's in prison. And they sticks together a lot more than the women prisons. Uh, it was a lot of things in prison that we could have did as uh, inmates that could have got a lot more, made a lot more difference in a lot of the facilities that we went to. Okay. So thank you for sharing. I would love to say, and I'm going to say, there are numerous people that I've been blessed to be a part of their lives in their transition. And I'm saying that there are numerous people who bless my life by being involved in my transition from prison to the free world, so to speak. But I want to say to whoever's watching this, the things that Rebecca did from my standpoint was one, when she reached out to me by phone, when I reached back out to her, she answered. Where I asked her, to be and we if i'm mistaken correct me this was like one two days meaning like i was like hey can you be here this day on monday can you be here on this day she made it there not yes sir that's correct she, not only did she make it there the things that i asked her to fill out to help her because there are different programs there are different services but if you don't fill out the paperwork you can't get access to it. She did that. And then when this higher event was coming about and she didn't notice, I don't know what she has going on, but I know this, when you hit the world, you have bills to pay. I know that she has a husband. I know that she has kids. So what I'm saying to anybody watching this, I don't know every detail of Rebecca's transition, but what I'm saying, when Rebecca reached out for help, she seized every opportunity that was afforded to her that has gotten her to this point in helping her transition. And that's a rarity. Once again, I'm going to say this. There have been a lot of people that I've been blessed to be a part of their transition and they have seized the moment, but no one has made every appointment did everything they could do to get to a particular place on a particular day that the opportunity was afforded to them. And I'm not blaming them, but what I'm saying, I don't know what she had going on, but whatever she had going on, she made room and she's going to be very successful. Everything is not perfect, but I hope that someone would hear what I'm saying, that when people are actually 
answering the calls or answering the letters, make sure that you follow through to the best of your ability. If by some chance you get out and you can't make it to the appointment, you don't have the vehicle or you have to do something else. If you communicate and stay in communication with whosoever is truly involved in your life to help you, I'm telling you, they'll continue. Communication is the key. Any feedback from you, Rebecca? Any comments you want to make on that? Uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Sean, I want to thank you also because uh, you have been a big help. You and uh, uh, the uh, what's the name of the office? The building, the building office that we building go to. Promise, building promise. Yes, uh, uh, building promises. I mean, I have y'all have helped me with so many different resources. I have sent so many people to y'all. Y'all have helped them. Uh, I got a friend, Precious Hicks. She come to see you tomorrow. <laughs> she called me and told me that uh. Birdie, birdie, guess what? I have to be there in the morning. I'm like, okay, oh, so she sent me the address. I said, that's that's Mr. Sir. So I'm taking her there tomorrow. So I have some, some doors uh, to give us a second chance in life. Uh, you actually help me with one of the jobs I have now, and it's it's a blessing. Uh, I work with Mr. Emily. She's a blessing. I'm very thankful and grateful for that. And I just want to thank you and everybody else for y'all support and y'all help. Okay. And what what we hope you gain from this interview is this. Rebecca's formerly incarcerated and she's talking about receiving help. I'm formerly incarcerated and I received help. Whether I'm speaking to a female or a male, wherever you at in this situation, I'm telling you that everybody in prison is not evil. Everybody in prison is not against you. Everybody in prison is not hating on you. And that's why it's so important. The relationships that you have in prison, you don't know who knows who outside of prison. You don't know who's going to get out before you. And so if you don't hear anything else, realize that peer support, that means somebody who's been incarcerated, they can help. And then I know I talk to a lot of different people and some people, when they get out of prison, they're like, man, I don't need nobody who's been locked up. Uh, I ain't trying to get this job. I ain't trying to get that job. And I'm going to say this to you. There are people who've gotten out of prison who have businesses. There are people who've gotten out of prisons who have churches. There are people who have gotten out of prison who they're doing, they're doing the best that they can, but it's a struggle every day. Don't think that you won't need some help. And I'm not talking about hanging on to people and I know a big deal in prison. I don't need nobody, but I'm gonna tell you just like this, no matter how much money you may have in, in prison, if they put it on lockdown long enough and they do a thorough shakedown, you may find yourself hungry and asking somebody say, do you have a soup? I'm just trying to get past that pride because so many times, you know, we show one face to the people who we think can help us. And then we show another face to people who we don't. And when I say we, I'm no better and I'm no worse than anybody watching this. And just know that there is help beyond the walls. That's why we do these interviews to try to help you experience vicariously or through our lives some of the things you may go through. So Rebecca, can I have what you were feeling or going through as you were trying to get that first job in light of having a family and having a husband, whatever you feel comfortable sharing? 
Well, I don't know. First of all, it kind of when I went to the store, uh, like you know, when you went to H E B, they got the spoons and the things. I was having a hard time trying to figure out how to do that. Some of the stuff I had to come back to reality. Okay, I was like, okay, I've been locked up. Tell me, okay, what you talking <laughs> so about? So you now? know when you go in H E B and you buy the food at the stand, so yeah. you know how they got the spoons and the disposal that you have to actually pull out. Yeah. And so at first, I'm trying to get the spoon out. I'm trying to, I couldn't figure it out. So I had to ask the lady to help me. So I said, okay, I've been locked up too long. So let me let me, uh -oh. let me let me let me jump in right there, because you know I heard that when I was locked up about the people going to the self checkout, meaning you literally walk up with your items, you scan them yourself, you pay, and you leave. And so you know that was a joke to some people, like man, how ain't nobody gonna know? So I'm gonna qualify this for Sean Oliver. When I went to HEB for the first time, I was prepared for the self scan because I had heard that from different friends who got out but I didn't exactly know how to run it. And just like Rebecca, in other words, if you have survived prison, you can survive anything. Right. Those same gifts. So Rebecca, I don't know her personality, but I'm going to say my personality. <laughs> what I did is I looked at a young dude face to face, walked up on him and said, say, bro, I need some help with this. Now that wasn't <laughs> the right attitude. You know, pride was in there, but he said, oh, OK, I'm going to help you. I just did the best that I could. I'm not saying walk up to anybody with an attitude, but I'm saying she asked for help. I asked for help. I'm telling you, if you're not the person this is for, you know everything. That's that's cool. But if you need some help, don't be embarrassed to ask, because the other side of that, there are people who are frustrated. Angry. Embarrassed have run and got high, have run and got drunk, have run and done some wrong because they don't want to ask somebody, explain something to me. And so know that that's okay. Come on, Rebecca. Okay. Uh, well, I'm very blessed because I do have a lot of support. So uh, my husband and I have friends that uh, have stayed with by my side uh, uh, while I was incarcerated. So I, I'm just very blessed that I have a support group. Uh, and with y'all help. I really was able to uh, have, uh, I think, well, I believe in God. So God was sending a lot of people my way too. Like um, at the workforce, the lady that gave me your number, I know her quite uh, well too. Uh, and it was more people that I uh, also knew that just opened up a lot of doors for me. Uh, and I was able to uh, feel safe to actually don't fall back into um, talking to someone about an interview. I never really had a problem with it. Um, but then I did was kind of worried about, okay, I've been in prison for two years, so what I'm going to put on my resume and everything. So I just decided to be honest. And that just helped me kind of share my story with the people that did hire me with jobs. Um <laughs> I also uh, I'm in contact with a lot of the uh, ladies at the prison, so I make phone calls to them. too. I also have told them a lot of them about you and Mr. Rob. Uh, Mr. Rob actually, uh, he's actually helping females uh, and males uh, with uh, parole lawyers. Uh, they actually it's a uh, place here in Austin uh, that they uh, have funds and everything. So. Uh, I told the people that I stay uh, communicate with, I have inmates that call me and I try to do the, my best I can. So if they know anybody, 
uh, that needs help with a parole lawyer and everything, uh, let me know so I can reach out to Mr. Rob. Uh, he's willing to help in that area also. Okay. Can you share with the ladies what it was like, whatever you're comfortable with, your relationship with your husband from incarceration up until today? I know you had experience previously, but we want to focus on why you were incarcerated and this transition. Um, my husband missed me a lot. Uh, he was uh, by my side the whole time. Uh, it was real hard. Um, uh, he had to deal with a lot. Uh, I was more mentally strong than he was. Um, but uh, especially when I got to the Kobe Union, uh, unit and got to the faith based dorm, we prayed for my husband all the time. Uh, Miss uh, Sandy and Miss uh, Sharon, uh, I thank y'all so much, and also uh, the women's in the faith based dorm because when uh, my husband was, I talked to him on the phone. He'd be drinking and everything. We'll get on our knees. We'll pray. I had uh, a lot, lots of people praying for us at all times. Uh, I think without that, uh, we wouldn't be where we at today. Uh, I also, uh, uh, when I was at the uh, hobby unit, uh, I was in uh, a program to where uh, uh, they prayed a lot. Uh, UBNB, uh, I went to a lot of their uh, studies, uh, a lot of their services and everything, so they prayed a lot for me also. Uh, I actually stay in contact with the guy from UBNB now. I write some. Uh, he he does write back. He's very good at writing you back, keeping you on the spiritual note. Uh, without that, uh, uh, it would have been a totally disaster than where we at now in our relationship. So uh, I encourage everybody that's behind bars to have another uh, significant that's out there. Uh, I don't know if you believe in God, but I know everybody believes in some type of religion or some type of higher power. You know, pray to that. You know, uh, reach out to ministries, um, chaplains that's on the unit, and uh, keep that support uh, in your um, relationship, in your marriage. Uh and just know that uh we that y'all all we all doing time together. When you doing time, your husband and your wife is also doing time with you. I didn't understand that. I've been in that system since I was 12 years old. I'm 37 now. Uh I never understood that until this time uh, I went to prison. Uh that they was doing time with me the whole time. I always just looked at it as oh, it's about me. Uh I, I feel like I'm above the law or this and that, or I feel like I could get in trouble and I could pay this lawyer, pay this lawyer, and it's okay. It's not, it wasn't like that when I went to prison. I couldn't say, okay, well, I got the money to pay you this. Let me go. I'm stuck. So that's when I learned that we do a time together. But whatever the things that I did in life, not just affected me, it affected my husband also, along with my kids and everybody else that was there for me. But it it totally, you totally do a time with your husbands and your wife when you're incarcerated. Do you have any advice for a wife who's preparing to get back out and she, you know, she think about a relationship with her husband. Do you have any advice specifically for her that might help, might help that marriage? Yes, I actually uh 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 number one uh, uh I have a uh, one of the friend that I keep in contact with with her name is Q. We call her Q anyway. Uh 
right before I got released, she was trying to get back with her husband. Uh, uh, we was having Bible study uh, one day, and uh, I was having Bible study in my room, and she came and got me, said, Rebecca, I, I need for you to pray with me. And we went and prayed. She was like, uh, I was like, okay, what you want to pray for, Kyrie? She said, I want to pray to get back with my husband. Uh, I realized that when she asked me that, um, we both understood that in order for that to work, we had to put God in, in the midst. Uh, having faith, number one. Having faith, knowing that things is going to change. Uh, knowing that whatever we put our mind to, we will succeed. Because a lot of times we can say something, but we don't believe it. When you say something that you believe it, then eventually you will be able to achieve it. But you have to first believe it. Um, it's hard due to the fact that you're in there and they out here, but faith, faith will take you a long way. And pride, you know, you got you have to let pride go. Um, a lot of times we look at pride as a weakness. Uh, I had to struggle with that uh, when I was in prison uh, at first in the way because uh, my pride would get in the way and my attitude would get in the way because um, I've been used to fighting and stuff all my life. But once I realized that the pride wasn't getting me nowhere, I was able to be able to talk to the next sister about things that I, that I realized that we all going through the same thing. Her problem wasn't no more different than my problem. We all most likely had kids at home and had a husband at home, had a mama or lost, went through a CPS case or went through a divorce. Everybody has something similar. Uh, and long as we realize that that pride is out the door, when we come back out, our husbands and our wife are loaded. We, we, we let that down. We let that go down. We changed our attitude. Um, I changed my attitude a lot. Uh, that's but that's only because I had to let my pride go. Uh, so start with pride first. Start with letting your pride go. Having faith, definitely. You definitely have to have faith. You definitely just have to know that you can do it. No matter what you've been through in life, I got sixteen charges on my record. I have never let anything stop me from not believing that I can do different. So my faith is what got me. And your faith is what's going to get you to where you need to be. When you fall down, pick yourself back up. Talk to your husband. Communication. I also had a problem with not uh, sharing my thoughts or none of that. Uh, I ain't never did that. I always felt like I could take care of myself. I'm independent. I do what I want to do. Now I communicate with my husband. I communicate. I tell him what's on my mind. I, you know what I'm saying? And that also helped me out. So now when I feel like, okay, this is heavy, this, I communicate. So communicate with your other significant, your other loved one and let them know how you feel. You know, let them know what's on your mind when you have those urges, uh, those triggers, because you're going to have triggers. The, th the day I got out, I wanted a cigarette. I ain't been craving for those cigarettes in years. All of a sudden, I want a cigarette. So you're going to have those triggers that just, just make sure you communicate, have faith, and just believe in yourself at all, all, all debt, on everything. Everything, when you get that negative thought, rebuke it. Forget about it. Let it go. 
say something positive to yourself and, and move on, move forward. Well, I, th I thank you. I thank you, Rebecca. Last thing, we've got about five more minutes. Do you have one question you want to ask me or are we good to go? Uh, uh, or out of, uh, out of the 27 years that you did in prison, Where was it that you knew you was going to be out here to be an advocate for us like the way you are now? I didn't. What I did is I just woke up every day trying my best to help the men around me. What God did for me when he came into my life where I used to love women and love money, he put a love in me for my peers. And so I just helped. And so when I came out, even though that was not my primary job, I always had a heart because I believe in us. I cannot look in the mirror and believe that if I'm given another opportunity, or oh man, can I just get some help? Not that I deserve, but that I need. And that's what motivates me to reach out and help and be an advocate for us because I had a friend named Sloan and Sloan would always say, soldier, <laughs> shit out. He'd say, don't, 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 don't forget. And basically what I always understood is God blessed me with some gifts. He blessed me with some talents. And Sloan would always stress to me, know that God gave that to you. But he didn't give it to you to get out there and just make money and do whatever else. He gave that to you to help others. And although I knew that, him continuing to reinforce that was a good thing because it kept it at the forefront of my mind. So every time I learned how to do something, like when I learned how to write the book, I share that with people. When I learned how to start a business, I shared that with people versus just doing it and being like, okay, I can help some people monetarily get on their feet or I can help some people with some advice. I began to think more of it as just help period. And that's what I do. Okay, Mr. Sharon. Well, I thank you so much for everything. <laughs> I just I want to say hey to everybody too, especially all the women at the Coma Unit. You too, Latanya. You at uh, Hobby. I want to tell you, hey, I love you too. <laughs>